0: are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. That's how I feel this morning okay if I just keep myself close to the cross. Amen. And uh, if you keep yourself close to the cross, amen, that'll get you through. That'll get you through. Amen. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 126. And the Lord put uh, the message for this morning into my spirit. And He always knows who's going to be here. He always knows what every person is dealing with. And... um, Fortunately for me, I don't have social media, so I don't know in advance what you've been doing, and uh, so it's wonderful. I come to the pulpit, and I just preach what God tells me to preach, and it has no bearing on what's happened this past week or the week before or what's uh, is taking place, and God just allows His Word to go forth and accomplish what His Word desires to do. So I'm going to read to you this chapter in the English Standard Version. It's, um, it's, it's a great, uh, great uh, chapter that God put into my spirit. It says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, they were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they, then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in Negeb. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. And this morning, I want to speak to you about restored fortunes. Restored fortunes. God, I thank you for your word this morning. And I thank you for every person that is under the sound of my voice. God, you know, Lord, what you put into my spirit. And now I pray that every person would be receptive, God, to receive from your word today. And it would accomplish what you desire for your word to do. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Restored fortunes. I'm not talking about uh, the increase in your, uh, your bank account or wonderful growth in your investment, investments this morning. And uh, if you've watched since January, maybe you're hoping for more growth. Um, I'm not talking about restored fortunes financially today. I'm talking about what the Scripture is calling restored fortunes. The psalm uh, is not of David, but, uh, and it has no title in the Hebrew or in any of the variations. It certainly uh, belongs, obviously, as we can uh, read here, to the closing of the captivity of the nation of Israel. It might have been composed by Haggai or Zechariah or even uh, some suggestions by Ezra. Uh, But we don't know exactly. We just know it's a beautiful and highly descriptive uh, psalm of the circumstances that the people of Israel... Are up against and and um, and what represents uh, how God has worked in their life and is desiring to work again uh, the psalm is made up of two parts it has two halves uh, and they're connected with phrases that you've noticed in my reading this morning restore our fortunes and the second phrase that is mentioned twice in both uh, halves is shouts of joy Restore our fortunes and shouts of joy. Uh, The first three verses speak of an event where the Lord uh, delivered the nation of Israel and restored what belonged to them. We don't know exactly what event that was, but we believe it was probably when they were in captivity and they were being brought out of captivity. And then verse 4 begins a prayer of restoration. And it gives us two examples in that prayer of restoration. It speaks about the streams of Negev, which is the southern region of Judah. And then it also speaks about the example of sowing seed. And so when you go through this chapter, verse by verse, it's only six verses. But you start to get an understanding of maybe what is happening, and then how it is relevant to us this morning. It starts out when the Lord turned again the captivity. This is when Cyrus had published his decree in favor of the Jews, and he's given them liberty to return to their own land and to rebuild their city and to rebuild their Temple and the and the whole meaning behind that phrase is returning or they're going to return to Zion and what an exciting moment that must have been for the nation of Israel, the people of God. The ancient version uh, renders it captivity and how they're going to return from captivity and how God is going to be involved in them being set free. You know, he hasn't changed. He's still the same today. It's still his goal for everybody to return to what he has in store for them. It's still his desire for you and I this morning to come into the house of the Lord. And no matter what is holding us hostage this morning, what is troubling our minds or our spirit, it's still his desire for us to return out of captivity to where he wants us to be in him this morning. Nothing has changed. It says we were like them that dream. The news was so expected that they they even doubted it for a time or doubted the truth of it. They believed it was too good of news to be true. And and after such a length of time in Cat. Captivity, they thought that the dream was maybe just an illusion. The Latin Vulgate and the Septuagint rendered it as we were comforted. This meaning is that it seemed like it was a dream, but it hardly could be so. And yet the state of mind, it was so uncommon to them because of being in captivity for such a length of time. When they hear the words that you're going to be able to return, you're going to be able to be free, no matter what that is this morning. You may think well i don't know i've been i've been ch- challenged with this issue for a length of time i've been I've been dealing with these circumstances now for months or years I've been held hostage or captive by lots of things that I just uh, could never see that would ever change and yet Just the hope that you could be free. Just the dream that you could be liberated. Just the thought that you could worship and serve God without the hindrance of what this morning maybe holds you in some dimension. It seems like it may be even too good to be true. But I'm here to tell you this morning that He wants to restore your fortune. Uh He says, then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. When he speaks this phrase, then was our mouth filled with laughter. They were overwhelmed with happiness and joy. It was such a refreshing moment. And I'm sure you can think of times in your life where Maybe you were in distress or you were uh, weighted down or overwhelmed or stressed. And all of a sudden you seen the light at the end of the tunnel and it wasn't a train. You saw that it was starting to break. The heavy clouds of life were starting to separate. The depression was starting to lift. The stress was being released. I'm talking about life this morning when family situations start to come to some conclusion and a job opportunity opens up and the healing process has begun and the home is being put back together. I'm talking about that enlightenment that starts to happen in your spirit where you start to feel an overwhelmness of God's presence and a a gratefulness of what God can do it's like he fills your mouth with laughter and your tongue with singing and you're letting the enemy know I'm not staying down I'm not going to be defeated I'm going to rise I'm going to lift above the clouds I'm going to lift above my circumstances yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of heights But I'm willing to fly Which is kind of crazy and, uh, and I've had a couple Very interesting things that have happened uh, When I've flown And maybe the first time it ever happened It was so amazing Is it was raining Um I mean a lot when we took off and it seemed to be so dark and dreary and you know how it is if you're flowing very much when you start to go through those clouds it gets a little bumpy and I, I, I can't say that I like that very much I brace my feet against the bottom and I hold on to the arm sides there and I, I sing a song there's peace in Jesus. Yeah, you, you don't even know how many times I've sung that song flying. There's peace in Jesus in a troubled world today. There's peace in Jesus. And the and the enemy can't take it away. Though there's turmoil all around, I have found that there's peace in Jesus. And I sing that song when we're going through turbulence. But on one particular moment, the first time it ever happened to me that we went through those rainy clouds, and we, we, we flew above those clouds and to see that the sun was shining. It's an amazing phenomena. to be on the ground getting soaking wet yet at a certain level of however many feet in the air. The sun is still shining. And to know in your spiritual walk with God, no matter how cloudy your life looks right now, the sun is about to break through. You're about to rise above the clouds of life and say, God, restore unto me your fortune today. Yeah, All right. that's, that's what it's talking about. Our tongue was singing and our, our mouth filled with laughter. It's an incredible thing that happens when someone wants to know why you're excited. And someone wants to understand why you're excited overjoyed, and you start to express, well, this is what life's been for the last week or month or however many months, whatever the case is, and all of a sudden you feel a breakthrough. It brings joy to your life, and you respond with verse 3, the Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. We acknowledge the hand of God. We know that we couldn't have done it ourselves. God alone has given us the enlargement to to give this ecstatic joy in our hearts. And the gladness in our life that we could not have accomplished on our own. And our soul is filled with joy. And our mouth is filled with laughter. And our tongue is filled with singing. That's why you hear kids No matter how bad the day is, they can be still going around the house singing. They got no troubles in life. As long as they got food and something to get into. We've been blessed over the last, well, we got one more sleep left. Tonight is sleep number six of having the three of the grandchildren. I said I was going to testify this morning of a miracle that happened this week, an absolute miracle that happened two nights ago. Evander slept through the night. I was going to come to church this morning with an excitement upon my heart. <laughs> he decides that at about 3 or 4, it's time to play and all that kind of stuff. It's just it's like crazy. Yeah, God did a miracle on on Thursday night, Friday night. I don't even know what night it is. I just know it was a great miracle. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. If poor Cody and Marissa are watching this morning, we still love our grandkids. But come home quickly. Oh, just teasing. This is the type of situation they found themselves in captivity. They found themselves in a, a in a dilemma that has been going on for quite a time, and all of a sudden they feel a breakthrough. And they sense that God is opening up the door of opportunity for his glory to be seen. And excitement starts to build. And they start to sing. And they start to to let laughter out in there. And they are praising God for how good and how great he is. Whereof, they said, we are glad. Could it be that we forget so easily where God has brought us from? Where God has brought you from, how God has taken your life over however many years, decades, whatever the case was, and directed your path so that you could be free. People sitting in this room this morning, your lives were not the same before you knew the Lord. Your lives were not what they are today people were living in captivity and every one of us were living under the the realm of sin and we all had troubles and struggles and trials and and temptations and, and we had no direction and no one to lean upon and no understanding of how to get through, then all of a sudden there was a breakthrough in your life. And at some particular moment you decided uh, that you were going to commit and dedicate your life to God. uh, And you give your heart to Him. uh, And you ask Him into your life. uh, And He forgave you of your sins. uh, And washed those sins away uh, in His precious name. The name of Jesus in baptism. And filled you with His Spirit. And life began for you uh, in a different dimension than it ever was before. Uh, There was a restoration to your fortune. More than what money could ever buy. More than what a job could ever fulfill. More than what life could ever bring to uh, pleasurable things in your, uh, that you would be part of. More than anything that this world could offer. There was a breakthrough in your life in the spirit realm. And God entered your heart. And the verse in Psalm 126 When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, there were shouts of joy. There was an excitement that built in your life whenever that moment happened. And it doesn't matter what people said or what people thought. There was an excitement that built in your spirit that you knew what you once were and you no longer were. You knew what life was like, and it no longer is. All of a sudden, there was a new direction, a new focus, a new purpose. There was a new infilling. There was a new restoration that happened, that God had restored. His walk with you, His, His, His spirit in your life, and what He desired to do through your future, hallelujah, was being unfolded and unveiled and revealed. And all of a sudden, your walk with Him took on a whole different Approach than it ever had before. The Lord. Hath done great things. For us. Whereof we were glad. And if that was. All there was. Then we could still rejoice. And we could still shout for joy. Because we can still thank God. For what he's done. In our lives. But that's only the first half. Of the psalm. The second half of the psalm is the beginning of a prayer. And it says, turn again our our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Now, when you're looking at the passage and the captivity of God's people, it, it, it possibly was that that there were still some that were in captivity. And, and we know through history that some came out under Ezra. And some came out under Nehemiah. And some came out under Zerubbabel. So the, the literal sense is turning the captivity. The word here. It, it means again. It says again. That's added by the translators. And, and, and it's, it's given the idea that there's still people that are not free yet. To, that we desire to be free. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. You may be in this room this morning and you feel free in God. Or you may be in this room and you may not feel as free as you should in God. The first half of the psalm is the thanksgiving to those who feel that they are free in the Lord. But the second half begins with a prayer. Prayer. Turn again our captivity, O oh Lord. So everybody this morning that may not feel like you're in the place with God where you'd like to be this morning, there's hope. There's hope of a breakthrough. There's hope of rising above the clouds this morning. There's hope just around the corner. And There's hope this morning that God will see you through because He, he says in this verse, Turn again our captivity, O oh Lord. And he gives two examples as the streams in the south. The the example that's used there, and, and you see it in the in the verse, it says, like the water courses in Negev. And um, the understanding is it's like a desert place. And all of a sudden, the rains start. And you see, if you've watched any documentaries on Africa or Those types of things, they go through very dry seasons. Then all of a sudden, sudden, the rain season starts. And what was deserts very quickly turns into flowing rivers. Very quickly. And you watch it. It's amazing. And life is brought back. And food is supplied for the animals. And all kinds of, there is a restoration that takes place. With the streams that start to flow. And this verse is given the first example. What looks like it's dry and barren in your life today. Very quickly can turn. In just a moment's time when the streams of the presence of an almighty God start to flow. Oh, it's not a little trickle. It's not just a little well, that's a little stream I can jump over. No, no, no. It starts to flow that it surrounds. It succumbs everything that's in your pathway. The streams of the south become so powerful. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, when God desires to break you out and bring you through, he's not bringing you partway. He's not going to let it be that, oh, that was just a glimpse uh, of hope. No, no, no. His desire this morning uh, is to bring you uh, all the way out uh, of captivity uh, for you to be free. Uh, whom the sun has set free uh, is free uh, indeed. <laughs> yeah. As the streams in the south, we may know it today probably as the Nile River. And the Nile River flows into the Mediterranean Sea, has seven mouths of that river that flows into the Mediterranean Sea. And you can only imagine what looks so barren and so dry as soon as the rain starts, becomes so consumed with the flowing of water. you know what, this morning, however long it's been, that you feel like you've been held in captivity, spiritually, maybe you're dry and barren in your own life this morning, I'm just here to tell you that as soon as the river, the presence of God, the spirit of God starts to flow, there's not just a trickle, no, there's lots of water there's lots of presence there's lots of spirit there is an overflowing abundance of his power and his spirit this morning that when it starts to flow in your life it will consume consume what has been holding you captive and you will turn again from the captivity that you were part of because of the power of the flowing of his spirit And presence. Mm. The second example that he gives us in verse 5. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. The second example he gives us is the sowing of seed. He that goeth forth, he says in verse 6, and weepeth bearing precious seed shall, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The metaphor that's being used here is, is a poor farmer that's had a very bad harvest, a very scanty portion of grain, and and, and and food has been gathered from the earth in the past. And now it's time to sow the seed again, and it looks so unpromising. Out of the famine A little seed has been saved to be sown in hopes of another crop. The the badness of the season in the past, it precludes that maybe there's not much hope. But he must sow, or else despair will be evident. He's got to sow what he's got. Even though it's just a little, he's still got to plant. He carries all his precious seed with him in his seed basket and with a sorrowful heart commits it to the furrows of the ground and watering it in the effect with his tears and earnestly imploring. That he needs a blessing from God upon it. And God hears. And the season becomes successful. And the blades of ears of the corn grow. And it's appointed unto him for harvest time. And now his harvest is productive. And he fills his arms. He fills his carriages. And the Bible says his sheaves are filled. And all of a sudden something he notices has taken place. That because he planted what he had. God was able to change the circumstances and the situation for the future. See, all of this psalm can be anal- uh, analyzed in different ways. First part is the, the expression of joy for deliverance from captivity from the past. But the second part is a prayer for a returning, a returning to what God has. For the remaining part, the future, what God, what you have in store for me. See, I can be thankful for what God has done in my life, and I need to be thankful for my conversion and deliverance and healing and and giftings. To God be the glory, and I thank God for it. But don't reach a place this morning of apathy or a place of complacency or stagnation where, where you feel like, what's the use? of going farther? What's the use of praying? Uh, I've just got a little bit uh, but I'm telling you this morning uh, use the second example uh, and sow what you got uh, because he that sows uh, hallelujah in tears shall reap uh, in joy Uh, hallelujah he that goeth forth uh, weeping bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again there is no doubt that if you do your best God will do the rest he'll bring you and I to a place of revival a renewed vision a fresh start an energized focus a renewed passion a second wind let the prayer be today god if you did it before you can do it i can i'm going to sow what i've got and i'm going to depend on you god that if i sow i will reap If the response is there's no use to sowing, nothing is going to change, it will end up in despair. You won't survive. I'm not here to bring gloom and doom. I'm just here to tell you the truth. If you don't think God can, then he won't. But if you just take what you have, the woman that had just a little bit of oil. Bring all the pots you can to start pouring. That's what, that's what happened. And it kept going until there was no pots left. You can find example after example in the Bible where God just uses the little things, what they've got. Well, we've got at least 5,000 men and plus women and children, and all we got is just a few loaves and a couple fish. I mean, it's impossible. Just bring me what you got. Just bring me what you got. Everyone's fed, and 12 baskets are taken up afterwards. The Lord just uses what you've got, but you got to sow it. And if you sow it, there will be a return of fortune, a return of a walk with God, a joy in God, a freshness in God, a renewal in God. I refuse this morning, I refuse not to sow what I've got. I've had so many blessings in my life that God has, and I'm thankful for all of that. That's the first half of the song. But today, today I'm going to sow what i got. I'm going to sow, worship to God. I'm going to sow myself to God. I'm going to lift up my hands and worship to God. I'm going to bow my knee in what I've got to God today. I'm going to sow what I've got to Him because He's going to return. Hallelujah. Again people out of captivity so that there can be a return, a restoration, a fortune, a shout of joy this morning. I refuse to be a dead Christian. I refuse to be a Christian filled with apathy, hallelujah, or complacency. I'm going to sow. I'm going to sow what God's given me and allow God, hallelujah, to work what He desires in my life. I encourage you this morning in this place You say, Pastor, I don't know anything hardly about what you're talking about I don't know what I have to sow I don't know what I have to give Just give of yourself Give your life Give your heart Here, God, here I am I don't have much to offer But I'm giving you you me today, God And let me tell you He'll take you And He'll allow you Hallelujah, hallelujah To be restored In fortune and shouts of joy to come from your life Yeah What seems like A hopeless music A hopeless situation What seems like An impossibility Can turn Can turn instantly With streams of water Of his presence and spirit As it flows across your life and across your heart. What seems like it will never change, it's always going to be the little reward, the little harvest, the little this, the little that. What seems like that is the inevitable. Let me tell you, that will change with your attitude of sowing what you got. And when you just sow what you got, God will take and magnify, multiply. I remember weird things. I don't know why. It's the way I am, I guess. But I remember one year we planted our potato garden, and my dad had decided he was going to plow up a new new portion of land. And of course when you're plowing up a new portion of land it's quite a bit of work to get it ready for planting. It doesn't just happen. There's a lot a lot of work. Plowing and disking and harrowing and picking rocks and sticks all kinds of stuff. And then we got it all ready and we planted 150 50-pound bag of potatoes in seed. We planted one 50-pound bag in this this new new ground. And all of a sudden, the potatoes were growing, and they, we took care of them, and I always had the chores of picking the potato bugs, pot bottle. Put all the potato bugs in the pot bottle. I, I remember weird things, see. And we had our little little horse that we cultivated the potatoes with. We took care of them properly. And what was so amazing at the end of that season, when we dug those potatoes, we ended up with 200 50-pound bags of potatoes. That's a lot of potatoes for one 50-pound bag of potatoes. I remember there were so many potatoes under each plant, and they were, I mean, it was incredible. And my dad, he, I I, I think he's probably watching, going to watch if he's not watching now. He's probably still bragging about that. We told that story. We, I mean, it was, that's a lot of potatoes for one bag. Way more than we needed. Supplied the pastor, sold a bunch, all kinds. 200 bags for one bag. Just sold what we had. And miraculously, God gave the increase. This morning, it's really no different. It hasn't changed. Nothing's changed with God. Just sow what you got, and God will give the increase. Well, Pastor, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Just give the little bit of energy you got. Well, I've prayed so many times before, Pastor. Just pray another time. Well, I I don't know. I don't know if I can make it another week. Just start with one day. Just sow what you got. And God, God will return, restore. The fortunes, shouts of joy will arise from your spirit. And you will look back after the fact and say, only God could have brought me through such a dilemma, a circumstance, a situation. I, I ask you this morning, Just sow what you got. The streams of His presence and the sowing will again return, restore you to the fortunes of what God has done for you in the past. If He did it before, He can do it again. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.